Yes, it is. Good to have you along. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> nice. John Scholes here, as well as Alex Luciferro, partner, San Fury to Market LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country. How about that? Thank you for joining us. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going to dig into this topic deadlines for signing back severance offers that is coming back coming at you uh, in just a minute here want to remind you anytime as well you want to reach out to alex and his team he can take care of you just have a chat get some information right 1-855-821-5900 and if you ever want to know what your severance should be the severance calculator available for you free anonymously at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca by the way over two million people two million have used the severance calculator and gone oh damn my employer's ripping me off. That's right. They probably are. Want to make sure? Use the severance calculator, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But we always start off with the case of the day. Alex, what do you got for me, pal? Mr. Scholes, thank you very much. Great to mm-hmm. be here as usual. Uh, and as you said, we're live on the air for uh, the next half hour until 7 p.m. to answer any questions our listeners have about employment law, about your workplace rights, really anything and everything to do with uh, your job, John, as you know. If you have questions about uh, work, well, this is the time, this is the place. We're ready to answer those questions uh, and tell you what you need to know about employment law. We always say, John, everyone needs to know about their workplace rights. It's so extremely important. We you know, spend the majority of our time at work, mm-hmm. and it's quite common that you know, despite everybody's best efforts, conflicts arise, disputes between employers and employees happen. And listen, you need to know how to handle those situations, whether you're an employee whether you're a business owner, especially if you're a business owner, or even if you're a contractor for that matter, oftentimes contractors get misclassified as contractors and they're in fact employees. You know, in either case, our employment laws in Canada are quite clear, they're quite robust, they're quite employee friendly. But of course, the law can't help you if you don't know what the law is. And that's exactly what we're here to do. We're here to inform people on what their rights are and help people resolve those workplace problems. So as you said, uh, let's start the show off with a segment we call the case of the day. It's an opportunity to talk about uh, a matter that came across my desk. I actually spoke to this individual, very nice man, uh, on Friday, John. So I guess uh, at the end of last week. uh, And uh, this gentleman was a short service employee. So he was with his employer for not terribly long, uh, John, for about a year and a half. So he was a year and seven month employee. uh, And unfortunately, just last week, he was let go from his job. Uh, he didn't do anything wrong, uh, no crazy circumstances. It was simply a restructuring. The company decided to go in a different direction, uh, John. And as a one-year employee, uh, they sat this employee down and said, well, we're letting you go. It's, a, it's what we call a without-cause termination, uh, and we're offering you two weeks of severance. Wow. Uh, that's all you get. That's what we owe you as an employer under the Employment Standards Act in Ontario. And thank you very much. We wish you all the best moving forward. Uh, and this gentleman called us, uh, John, and he wanted to know, uh, is two weeks of severance pay enough for a one-and-a-half-year employee? This gentleman, John, was 58 years old, and he was in a, I guess you could call it kind of lower management position. He was a kind of supervisor slash manager, uh, you know, not just a general laborer in kind of management, but at the lower level of management, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, he wanted to know what his severance entitlements uh, uh, were, John. Now, you probably know where this is going, but step one for all of our listeners out there in assessing this is, you know, it, it's very easy to assume as a layperson that if you've only been with a company for, you know, a year or two, 
your severance entitlements might be very, very short, right? You're a short service employee. You haven't been with them for too long. It, you might think that it's safe to assume that your severance entitlements are probably minimal. Well, guess what, uh, John? That's incorrect. Yeah. Sever- your severance entitlements as a short service employee, even if you're less than a year with the same employer, you might be a six-month employee or an eight-month employee or a year-and-a-half employee like this gentleman, your severance entitlements are still going to be significant. This gentleman was 58 years old. He had been with the company, as I said, for a year and a half, and he was in a lower management level position. His severance entitlements, John, are four months of pay. Four months, not four weeks, not the two weeks that his employer uh, offered him, four months of pay. And the reason why, John, his severance entitlements are so significant is because this gentleman's now in a very difficult position. He's now only been with this company for a year and a half. And he's thrown back into a job market where he now has to explain to a prospective employer why his period of employment with this company was so short. That's going to affect his job prospects. It's going to be difficult to explain that away, such a short period of service with the same employer. And so it may very well take this gentleman that long, you know, several months to find the job. And ultimately, that is what severance is for. It's meant to provide employees with that financial security during a job search and at a time of crisis. So this gentleman was obviously shocked to hear his severance entitlements are uh, that significant, but it is based in law. It's not because Mm -hmm. I say it or because anyone else says it. That is the way the law works. And so we're now going to be working with this gentleman to get him his full severance entitlements. He desperately needs that money because his job prospects aren't positive. Uh, And I imagine, John, that this is going to be a matter that's actually going to be pretty easy to resolve this is not complex stuff uh this is there are plenty of precedents out there where employees have received these kinds of severance packages before it should be standard on the part of employers employers should know this kind of stuff unfortunately they don't email help at employmentlawyer.ca want to uh, get into this pal our uh, topic for the evening deadlines for signing back severance offers so basically how is a typical severance offer structured for those who have never uh, come across one luckily i guess yeah certainly luckily it's obviously a very difficult experience uh, when you're dealing with it and of course anybody who's been laid off knows this feeling and effectively i mean typically how it works john is you're called into a meeting Sometimes that meeting might be in person nowadays. Sometimes it might be virtual. You're effectively sat down. There's usually your manager there with an HR representative if the employer is sophisticated enough. And you're told in pretty uh, kind of short order that uh, your employment is coming to an end. You've been let go from your job. Uh, You're being offered a severance package. Here's a letter. Here's a document setting out your severance entitlements. Go ahead and read that letter and sign it and send it back to us when uh, when you're done reviewing it. And typically there will be some sort of severance offer laid out in that letter. An employer might offer an employee their kind of minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, as the gentleman I was just telling you about was offered, or there might be some sort of lump sum enhanced offer. Typically these are lump sum payments, uh, John, when a severance offer is made. Mm-hmm. And again, you'll oftentimes or almost always be asked to sign something and return it back to the company. Yeah, and every one of these uh, severance offers for sure has a, a deadline at the bottom, you know, Friday at 5, Tuesday next week, whatever. It's going to say something when they want this thing back, so please, if you can have it back to us. Should they be concerned about that deadline? Should they panic when they see that? Certainly they shouldn't be panicking, and you're right, John. Usually uh, a termination letter and a severance offer will contain some sort 
uh, of deadline. And, you know, some employers will give three days or five days or seven days, sometimes two weeks, although that's rare. Uh, and your first instinct when you see that deadline as an employee is to panic, John, as you rightly said, but you really shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because ultimately an employee severance entitlements do not change come uh, that deadline or come one minute past that deadline. Yeah. Severance is based on an employee's age, position, and years of service. Uh, and certainly it's uh, going to be almost always more than what an employer is offering in an initial severance uh, offer. And again, that analysis doesn't change given some sort of arbitrary deadline. Now, that doesn't mean you want to sit on that necessarily, uh, John, and do nothing about it. You probably want to get on the horn to an employment lawyer as soon as you can. But it doesn't mean, it certainly doesn't mean you should be pressured into signing off on a severance offer given that deadline and certainly without receiving any kind of employment advice. We'll get to more of those talking points. Uh, always grabbing calls. Uh, Greg, thanks for standing by for a moment. What's your question, pal? Okay, so uh, my my curiosity as, as an employer is that uh, when when somebody comes on board, uh, if there's a contract provided, and that's not, not like a one year or whatever, but for the term, they can work five, ten years or whatever, and 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 they sign off on a contract and uh, in uh, relation to DSA, I guess the Employment Standards Act. Um, uh, so you, you just mentioned this story about a year and a half. Was there a contract there um, or wasn't there? That's my question. And and if there is, um, is that not legit? Is it, is it not? Uh, is there more to that or is there something we're missing? That That is an excellent, excellent question, uh, Greg. In the case that we were just uh, talking about, since you asked, there was no such contract. Or okay. maybe I should put more specifically, there was an offer letter, there was an employment agreement in place, but it didn't have any language about termination. So there, the offer letter, the employment contract between the employer and the employee was silent with respect to an employee's severance entitlements. And in that case, an employee is owed severance based on their age, position, and years uh, of service. Now, you rightfully mentioned contracts because that is one way. And as an employer, Greg, you of course know this, the one way in which you can effectively limit an employee severance entitlements is to have that employee, when they're hired, sign an employment contract that contains a termination clause, as we call it, a provision that limits their severance entitlements. Now, be cautious, uh, Greg, that language uh, about limiting an employee severance entitlements needs to be very, very carefully worded, very, very carefully drafted. The law changes very, very frequently when it comes to these kinds of termination provisions. And I kid you not, even the misuse of one word or one sentence can render a termination provision unenforceable. And so you need okay. to make sure your contracts are up to date. You need to make sure that they are enforceable because if they are not, they're literally not worth the paper that they're written on. So, so a lot of times when an employee thinks that their contract limits their entitlements, if the contract is one or two or three or four or five or 10 years old, Almost always, I would say, I would say 90% of the time plus, the termination language in a contract won't be enforceable because it's dated. Really? Okay. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. Perfect. So, so as an employer, Greg, the, the lesson is, as an employer, the lesson is make sure your contracts are up to date because that is the only way in which you can limit an employee severance entitlements. And if they're up to date and enforceable, then you're right. The severance analysis is going to be different their termination entitlements will be based on what it says in the contract, regardless of what their age, position, and years of service are. All right. You okay, should be speaking perfect. with an employment lawyer to make sure they're enforceable. 
Yeah, I know we have, we've we've had stuff uh, professionally done. So uh, unfortunately, nice. my, my 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 words are not too good to put on yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. But hopefully that clears things up for you. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. And if you need any uh, further information or a chat with Alex, you could do that anytime you would like. one 821 5900 to reach out to Alex at the, at the firm and the team. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. The Employment Law Show continues. John Scholes, Alex Lucifero, Employment Lawyers, Sam Firu, Tamark, and LLP. Reach out anytime to Alex and his team. We'll uh, inform you for sure and help you with whatever matter uh, is your is your issue for sure. one 821 5900 when we're not doing the show. Help at at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going back to our topic for the day, pal, deadlines for signing back severance offers. We talked about the severance offer and the deadline that's kind of just, a, it's it's in there. It's a pressure tactic. You can take your time up to two years, consult uh, you or another employment lawyer about uh, your rights, what you should actually be owed. So the next question, I guess, kind of obvious one is, so why do employers bother putting deadlines on severance offers in the first place? Well, for the reason you mentioned in in large part, uh, John, which is they they want to apply some degree of pressure on an employee and kind of encourage them to sign. And you know, listen, there's there's a legitimate business reason for that from an employer from a business's perspective as well. They want to get this situation resolved and effectively mm. kind of off the books, so to speak. You know, they want to pay out the employee, issue a record of employment, get everything done and dusted you know, put it in the budget and move on. And so in that respect, you know, an employer has an interest in resolving a matter like this as well. But really the main uh, purpose, and sometimes employers will be too aggressive in this regard, is that they want to pressure the employee to sign. And we have seen some horror stories, uh, John, over the years, uh, you know, and we've obviously been doing this for, you know, decades and decades now. You know, we've seen employers force employees to sign on the spot. I've seen that myself personally. I've had an employee uh, that that has happened to. We've seen employers give employees 24 hours notice to provide a response and sign and accept the severance package. Mm-hmm. Most employers aren't that unreasonable, aren't that uh, bullish when it comes to these kind of deadlines. Uh, John, most employers, as I said, will give about a week to respond. And again, you know, that's you know that's a pretty tight timeline as well, right? Let's say you're let go on a Friday. You know, you're given till the next Friday to uh, to uh, sign off. You have to let the weekend pass, and then you've got to, you know, get your financial affairs in order and start worrying about, you know, who, how are we going to pay the bills next month and yeah. all of that. Then you've got to speak to an employment lawyer. That pressure intensifies right away. Again, my advice is in the moment, and this is of course easier said than done, but it is true. You got to stay calm, take a deep breath, give us a call at the office. It's really as simple as that. We will be able to advise you with respect to next steps and what you should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to a severance package off. There's still, you know, some people listening to say, okay, Alex, I get it, but still what happens if, if I do not sign by that deadline? No, no, I know what you're saying I can take my own time because I want to, but what's going to be the repercussions from the, uh, from the soon-to-be former employer? Well, the reality, John, is in 99.9% of times, the recourse is going to be absolutely nothing uh, in the sense that uh, an employer doesn't withdraw its offer uh, if you don't get back to them by that deadline, that rarely, if ever, happens. Typically, what I will do as a matter of practice, John, and I believe we, you know, we do this across the board, generally speaking. Uh, you know, listen, we want to try and get back to an employer by their suggested deadline. So, simply as a matter of pro- professional courtesy, if they wanted a response by Friday at five, we will get them a response by Friday at five. John, there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, for ex- example, this individual that I spoke to just this past Friday, 
a couple of days ago. His employer was looking for a response by Wednesday, by this coming Wednesday in two days' time. And we're going to get back to him by then, uh, John. It doesn't mean that the matter has to be wrapped up and, and, you know, an agreement needs to be reached by that time. But as long as you respond back to an employer, even if it's with a counter offer, the ball keeps rolling. The ball is effectively in their hands now that you've responded back to them. Uh, and then they'll probably take a few days to respond back. So as a matter of professional courtesy, perhaps you would want, if there's going to be some severance negotiations, to respond by the employer's suggested deadline, but do not feel forced into accepting an offer by a suggested deadline, even if it lapses. It's mm-hmm. still important to get employment law advice first and then decide what you want to do. If you still ultimately want to accept their offer, even though that deadline has lapsed, you almost certainly still can. So you get someone here saying, you know what, I get that, Alex, but it's, like you said, try to apply by the deadline. If you can, I know I have more time, but I'm going to, I'm going to try, but it's only three days. What happens, you know, should they ask for more time if they, can, if they haven't been able to get a hold of you and had a, a phone meeting? Can they ask their employer for more time? What's the, what's the result going to be from that? Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I think it's perfectly reasonable for an employee, if they need more time legitimately, to ask for uh, more time and to an extension to that deadline. I sometimes will provide that advice uh, to people if, the dead, you know, if we're up against the deadline. Uh, there's nothing wrong with an employee asking for an extension like that. And to be honest, John, I mean, I, I can't even think of a time really where an employer has rejected an extension, a request for an extension to that deadline. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. So I'm listening to this, and I, I did feel pressured by that deadline uh, just before I listened to the show, and I signed. Oh, great. Is there anything I can do about it? Yeah. Geez, that's a tough situation. And, and again, this has oh. happened uh, to us before. If you've signed off on a severance offer, so typically the document uh, that an employer will ask you to sign when signing off on a severance offer is called a release or oftentimes it's called a full and final release. It's effectively in exchange for that amount of money, you're releasing the company from any and all of their legal obligations. If you've signed the release and you've returned it back to the employer and there's a clear offer and acceptance there and it's, and it's a done deal, and then you reach out to, whether it's us, John, or whether it's any, any employment lawyer for that matter, that is a tough, tough spot because odds are, the deal is done and there's nothing we or anyone else for that matter could do uh, anything about that. Now, there are exceptional cases, John, if you have been pressured into signing the release, uh, if you can show that you were effectively uh, bullied into signing the release and you've, you know, for example, and I've, again, I've heard this before with my own ears, if you are sat down and said, you can't leave this room until you sign (laughs) off on this document, literally that I've heard that happen before, John, that is called duress. That is illegal, uh, and that signature won't stand. Yep. We can get around the situation like that. But if you took the, ter- the, the, the termination letter with you home and a day or two passed and you didn't get legal advice and you, so you decided, you know what, I'm signing off. Let me just get paid and get my money and get, you know, get on with my life. And you sign it and you send it back to them. And then you give us a call a day later. I hate to say it, as much as you feel pressured and felt forced to do it, yeah. That's not going to be a duress situation, and you're probably stuck with the offer that you accepted. And that's why, John, it's so, so important to get that legal advice before you sign off. You can literally be leaving tens and tens of thousands of dollars on the table. It has happened before, unfortunately. 
So now we run through this. You know, you just uh, you've lost your job. You've been handed a piece of paper explains your severance offer. This is great. But you know, what? actually, before I get into that, I want to get John on the line. He's got a he's got a question. John, how are you, pal? What's uh, what's your question? Um, uh, I uh, started a full time job in February in the city, and uh, um, I live. You know, I, I own a house outside the city. And circumstances changed in August, and I need to go back to my house. So I gave notice to my employer in August. And they were like, oh, we weren't anticipating that. Um, uh, so we agreed that, um, you know, I'll continue to work for two days a week. Um, uh, I was kind of interested in, like, where would I stand, you know, if and when I do get laid off. Yeah, so you're still working with this employer, John, but you've moved to, I guess, part-time hours instead. Is that what I? Is that correct? Yeah, that's that, that's exactly it. I went from yeah. full-time to part-time, right? So listen, if you're if you're let go, you're still owed severance. That's for sure. But your severance is based on your current earnings, and so if you're only working part-time and therefore earning part-time your severance calculation, whatever a week is worth or whatever a month is worth and whatever ultimately your full severance entitlements are based on your age, position, and full years of service, including the full-time uh, hours, then that's going to be calculated, again, based on those part-time earnings. Okay, that's reasonable. Right? That's the way it works. So you, you're, you know, you're still owed severance, that's for sure. It's just a calculation of you know, again, what a week is what a week's wages are worth, or a month wages are worth, and that's how we calculate severance. Jamie, you got the last call. What's uh, what's going on with you? Yeah, um, I've been working in this job in the car wash for many years, and I've noticed my employer. Um, I've been feeling ostracized, feeling like you're walking on eggshells. So there's a bit of. Um, I'm starting to feel a bit, it's starting to get very toxic. And I'm looking at my rights because I feel my rights to some level have been violated. And this um, place that I work for can, I'm starting to see I'm being mistreated and um, being uh, sometimes intimidated and having a lot of times where my boss is verbally um, abusing me mm -hmm. by yelling at me. And sometimes he would say things to me, you know, that are very derogatory. Got it. Got so it. Looking at yeah. how I can go ahead and pursue these um, things that are happening in the workplace. That seems to be very toxic. Got it. Yeah, it's a fair question, uh, Jamie, and an important one because there are lots of people in this kind of situation. I'll make it quick because we're up against the clock. But, you know, step number one, Jamie, is you want to probably get some legal advice. So give us a call at the office. Speak to an employment lawyer. You want to make sure uh, that you know exactly what you should and shouldn't be doing in a situation like this. And listen, a, you know, a 30-second answer on the radio probably doesn't do it justice by the sounds of it. But very quickly, number one, it's important to relay these concerns to your employer. An employer has a legal obligation, a positive obligation to investigate uh, bullying in the workplace and reports of harassment in a poison work environment. Uh, and they have to do something about it. It's a positive obligation. They have to take action. If they don't take action, that is potentially a problem for the employer. If you've done that already and it's been unsuccessful, well, then that's, again, when you speak to an employment lawyer, you may have some other options and rights 
You can claim constructive dismissal, which is like potentially a termination, uh, or potentially you can file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. There are a couple of different options there. Speak with an employment lawyer, uh, Jamie. I'm sure we can point you in the right direction and give you the advice that you need. We're done. Maybe get a hold of Alex now, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca, Employment Law Show.